Fusion Patrol is a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can help support us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. This is the Fusion Patrol podcast. Each week, we look at a different science fiction TV episode or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're going to be looking at the Doctor Who episode, Nicholas Tesla's Night of Terror. And as always, we're going to start with an episode synopsis that is both completely objective and not at all opinionated. The 20th century is dawning and Nicholas Tesla is having a bad day. He's trying to find investors, but it's a hard sell. Things go from bad to worse when a man is found dead, probably of electrocution, at Tesla's Niagara Falls facility, Wardenclyffe. That night, Tesla discovers it wasn't his equipment at fault. Someone stole some of the equipment. He also finds a mysterious floating orb and pockets it, just as the doctor arrives and a cloaked man tries to kill them with a gun repurposed from the props department. Uncloaked, the man appears to be the walking corpse of the man killed earlier. They escape, along with Tesla's secretary, Miss Scarrett, on a conveniently passing train, which also happens to have Graham, Ryan, and Yaz in period costume on board. They go to New York City, or thereabouts. Here, Tesla is greeted with protests. The public is up in arms about his deadly alternating current work. A public outcry flamed by Thomas Edison, who champions the alternative current, direct current. Studying the orb, the doctor recognizes it as an orb of Thasser, but it's been repurposed to be something else. About that time, they spy a spy spying on them. He's Edison's man, so the doctor, Graham, and Ryan rush to confront Edison. Edison, it turns out, is a nasty man, but he's not guilty of the attempts on Tesla's life. How do they know this? Because Edison's spy is also a dead man and arrives and instantly kills everyone working at Edison's invention factory for no obvious reason, and then less successfully attacks Edison and our heroes. Note to self. Remember to ask the question, why did the dead guy show up at Edison's factory and try to kill them after the later reveal of what they're really trying to accomplish with their plan? Our heroes and Edison flee and escape, warning Yaz by mobile phone that dead people might show up. Oops, too late. Dead people show up and whisk Tesla and Yaz away before the doctor can arrive in the TARDIS. Tesla and Yaz find themselves on a spaceship above New York. It is the ship of the Scythra, a scorpion-like colony species, and their queen, who is most definitely not the Rachnos queen, that have been searching and trying to capture Tesla because he is smart and he can make things go. The Scythra are a scavenger species, stealing technology where they can find it and making it their own. The Doctor takes Edison and fetches Miss Scarrett in the TARDIS. Scarrett reveals that Tesla had received signals from what he thought was Mars. So they go to Tesla's Niagara Falls lab, study the readings, find the spaceship, and then, for reasons not explained, the Doctor announces she cannot take the TARDIS to retrieve them, so she uses some dodgy teleport technology that she picked up at a bazaar to pop up to the ship, confront the Scythra Queen with some harsh words, and narrowly escape with Tesla and Yaz. Back at Niagara Falls, the Scythra threatened to destroy the entire population of Earth if Tesla doesn't surrender, so he agrees. 
But the doctor doesn't. They turn Tesla's wireless power transmitter into a powerful weapon by connecting it to the TARDIS. They also use the TARDIS to generate a force field. There's just one catch. For reasons not adequately explained, the TARDIS, device powered by the immense power of a captive black hole, cannot power both a grotty little force field and an electric lightning bolt generator at the same time. This means the force field has to be turned off for 30 seconds before they can blast the Scythra ship into smithereens. Destroying the ship will kill the Queen, and the others of the colony will be probably dead, too. Maybe. Or perhaps just angry giant scorpions. One more catch. The queen isn't on the ship. She led the battle. But the doctor gives her another stern lecture about how she'd given her a chance and she was too stupid to take it, and now the universe will not mourn them once she's killed them. She then tricks her back onto the ship and Tesla blasts it. But instead of destroying it, it just flies away, making us all wonder why it didn't just fly away a long time ago and search for a planet with better technology than primitive little early 20th century Earth. Things are looking up for Tesla now that he saved the world, right? Asks Yaz. Oh no, says the doctor. He dies penniless and mostly forgotten, but the things he thought of were later thought of by other people too and made real and revolutionized the world. So yeah. Happy endings all around. So what do you think of Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror? Well, I, I, I was pretty pleased that you told me all about Edison, actually, because I, I, wasn't, I wasn't familiar with the backstory until we mm. were discussing this um, uh, a few days ago. And I, 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 I liked the fact that there was this parallel between the, the pretty... Uh, abominable behaviour of the Scythra and the somewhat naughty behaviour of Mr Thomas Edison, who, as you warned me, is, well, I think he used a word beginning with A, but not a very nice I, man. A bit of a bounder. Yes. No, that's a B, isn't it? Uh, yes, that's a B. OK, we can go with bounder. Yes. Uh, yeah, and, and I before I go anywhere, Thomas Edison is undeniably was. He may have not been to Tesla's standard or liking, but he certainly is an architect. Uh, some of the things that were created were created by Edison. He wasn't an idiot, right? He, but he was unscrupulous. And uh, yes, or you know, it, he was very good friends with uh, Henry Ford. So Henry Ford, pioneer of factories, uh, production line factories, uh, and and thomas edison who kind of adapted that and and made this invention factory as it was called to bring in people have ideas work through them and and make them it's it's not a bad idea where it gets kind of dodgy and it continues to this day i mean look at all the patents that were in steve jobs's name and you know he didn't invent any of them right <laughs> well edison did do some inventing but he also paid people to do inventing for him and then he reaped the rewards of that and and that doesn't even you know delve into what a nasty nasty man he was with one of his other inventions you can't see the air quotes but motion pictures i can hear them yeah um he 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 was he was so awful with regards to making people pay licensing fees if you will for his uh movie equipment that the movie industry packed up and left to to Hollywood 
for a variety of reasons, but one of them was to get as far away from Te- uh, Tesla Edison as they possibly could, because he would send thugs to uh, trash them, burn them out, uh, you know, very unpleasant tactics. And uh, But nonetheless, Edison is who history remembers, by and large, and Edison was very successful. So, mm, I... <sighs> I, I appreciate the fact that they kind of did put him on this. Uh, they, they did kind of set that a little bit right in 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 the historical perspective here that that Edison was not particularly a nice guy. Um, so, so, certainly, the the Edison we saw in this seemed to fit quite well with the Edison that you described to me. Well, and I I appreciate that. I really do. I appreciate that. I I think you know that that history too often remembers things uh, the wrong way. They they remember the good or they remember the bad, but they don't remember the good and the bad, typically yes, speaking. Yes, So, but, uh, all right. Uh, and I did not see the parallel. I got to tell you, when you just said that, I'm like, wow, he's right. There well, is I, a parallel I, between the Scythra and Edison. There is, absolutely. There, there were, there were, I mean, there were a couple of things about that because this, this, I mean, I've got, I've got to say, I, I was quite impressed by the writing in this one and I spotted some of the holes that you were picking there and didn't really care about them. And there were quite a few that just completely passed me by because I was enjoying myself um, on both viewings. But there was both that parallel there between the Scythra and Edison and also there's that moment when, when, when Tesla steps out of the TARDIS because the Scythra have demanded him or the earth is is wiped out and and he he says something you know about his amazement at creatures who would destroy the whole planet just to get their hands on him and the doctor says recognition at last and there's there's just quite a nice parallel so for once i was feeling this is a this is a pseudo historical episode where usually any pseudo historical will make me wish if only if only this didn't have the aliens in it you know wouldn't this have been great we, we, you know, Rosa without the aliens, demons of the Punjab without the aliens. Yes, please. The aliens are always sort of crowbarred in just to m- remind people that this is Doctor Who and this is sci-fi. Whereas this one, it actually did feel like there was quite a lot of value in the alien story. Hmm. Well, I, I, I will. I will say that I. There were some. There were some nice scenes and there was some nice dialogue in the episode. I generally liked the portrayal of Tesla. Like I said, I liked the portrayal of Edison. He was a, you know, they were both interesting and complex men. I cannot walk away from plot holes, especially if I have to watch a show the second time. And I think that's, maybe that's a commentary on the time. You know, I could I I could understand why when you were watching Doctor Who uh, fifty years ago, and there was every expectation that you know it would broadcast, they would hold a big bonfire, burn the tapes, dance around <laughs> it naked, and then as they do at the BBC, obviously, and uh, and no one would ever see it again. And so, the fact that I I honestly could not figure out why the people followed the Doctor to edison's office and killed everybody and i i have no idea what they were doing there i i, 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 I really thought don't they were following know why the they're doctor. there i mean it didn't 
that didn't particularly feel like I needed an explanation for why they were following the Doctor. But I take your point, it could have been more explicit. Or they could have been thinking, you know something, Edison's also, uh, you know, we may, maybe we could use some of these people here at his invention factory. Or because if you're a scavenger, who picks the whole planet and says, yeah, that one guy and the rest of it can burn? It, it just something. But I think and the point why did they need was... the alien weapons when they can blast electricity from their hands? <laughs> it just it was just kind of like okay, it, it's it's there to it it it's there to go from point A to point B to point C and have some high points and low points, kind of like a soap opera. Whereas I can forgive them over the course of five or six years if they lose threads, forget things, misconceive. But within the course of 50 minutes, it, it's kind of hard for me not to go, why? You know, why can't they use the TARDIS to to go to the ship? She just managed to I, pinpoint I, accurate at the lab. <laughs> she managed she to teleport. Want, which She doesn't want them to get their hands on the TARDIS. I thought that was... But she didn't know what they were at that point. She well, didn't she knew. To. They she didn't knew know they enough. were like a scavenger species. No, but she knew they were hostile. To me, to to me, that that wasn't a problem. That didn't need an explanation. Now, there might there might have been other other aspects where they would have needed an explanation. I've already forgotten what the plot holes. <laughs> I've already. Forgotten oh, well, the, the other plot one. Holes the other one was the power. Well, so, the power. Be- the TARDIS is, is, let's face it, the TARDIS has to be massively, massively powerful in the, in the scheme of, of the energy output that it, that it requires like. to operate. I mean, that, that's very much a fill in your own, fill in your own notions of that because it's unexplained. It's not that unexplained. It, it involves the power of capturing and harnessing a black hole and which, because of the enormous power requirements that are needed for these kinds of things. Those things are, are canon in Doctor Who. Exactly whether or not there really is a black hole inside the TARDIS or whether it's tapping it. Or, these are, those are areas that are gray. But the, but the point being is that it's, it can generate a force field, but it can't generate a force field and power up, frankly, a piece of material that's Earth-based that would melt under the electrical load that the TARDIS could put out. So, but it couldn't, uh, that be, couldn't that be because of the... And they're at a power the, generator. The conduit for... They're, they're at a the power pa- generator. Power. A massive power generator. They're at the Niagara Falls hydroelectric plant. <laughs> they should have been able to channel all the power from that and not ever have to string a cable into the TARDIS. And and the audience, who who doesn't care about plot holes... Or the audience who does care about plot holes would go, okay, well, that's a lot of power. I mean, maybe they'd have to black out all of New York or New Jersey or whichever they're in. But it, it would, it, it's like, I don't understand this whole, well, I can't use it for this, but I can't use it for that. And I can't use it for this. And oh, but if I do use it for this, it's only going to work half the way. It It's all done for the convenience of making of false danger. It's like, oh, I've got to let the force field down for 30 seconds. Ah! <laughs> like, but it, I, yeah. anyway, well, I mean, not, I, not, not, not only does it not seem to be necessary to explain those things because they're they're try, they're explaining away things that it you there's a, there's a line you'd have to draw at some point because 
it's explaining away things that you're making assumptions about. So, you know, the the question of of exactly what it is that means that you 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 can't power both at the same time. There are all sorts of factors involved. Um, to me, it's not particularly interesting why you can't, but you could write in an explanation for it. I would be bored by it. The plot hole would be cold, closed. You don't Fine. need you don't you don't need an explanation for it except that they needlessly complicate it and you go why did they needlessly complicate it and i and, and they needlessly let's concentrate let's concentrate not on the force field let's concentrate on the power to blast it would this story not have actually been better if the doctor had repurposed what nicholas tesla had built using the materials that nicholas tesla had to defeat the enemies he had the power, he had the tower, he had the technology, she made some modifications to it because she's brilliant and she's got to have her finger in solving the problem. But there you go. Tesla actually saved the world, but he didn't. The doctor saved the world with the TARDIS. Yeah, that's a fair and, point. And, okay, so it, it's why did they hook it? Why did they junction it up into the TARDIS? Okay, if that is your question, For, then yes. Th that I, is one of them, yes. It, it's that sort of thing where if they had just like left the TARDIS in New York and solved this elsewhere, because once you bring in the magic machine, it's like bringing in the sonic screwdriver. Why doesn't the sonic screwdriver have a teleport built into it already? <laughs> she uses it often enough. <laughs> it's like, it, it's just like, I really do appreciate when if you got in the TARDIS and you switched it on, you are probably never going to return to this spot ever again because it eliminates that as the Duxamachina. And yes. I don't know. And it just wasn't, it, it wasn't needed. And I think it would have been a better story if they had used some of Tesla's amazing stuff, even maybe his death ray working to keep them back for a while. You know, it, it just, anything like that would have been better than using the TARDIS shortcut there. Uh, a lot I, of the time, except I, when they needed it. And then they didn't because the whole plot to travel to the ship, the whole plot needed to hinge upon the fact that the doctor tricked the queen into holding the teleport device. And that, all oh, that didn't even look like the same teleport device to me. I see. I, I liked, all right. I'm, I'm, t I'm totally, I'm totally with you on why have we got the TARDIS involved in this? Why don't the TARDIS is there to bring them into the story at the beginning and to take them away at the end and that's that's really all it needs to be and it would it would it would certainly have simplified things if that were the case so yes 100% on board with that i still think that the way that this episode was structured and paced was extremely well done including setting up the 30 seconds because then there then there is this nice subversion the alien the aliens aren't just idiot aliens the way in which that problem falls apart is it's foreseeable, but it's not obvious. I like that. And when she uses the Braxian bouncer, it's already been set up with the whole recharge thing and everything. So you can see seconds before she actually resolves the situation using it, that she's going to do that. And I, I like that because up to that point, you don't know it. And yet, as you say, it's not a it's not a Deus Ex Machina. The the seeds have been sown for that particular payoff. I I, uh, I just think I think it shows that Nina Matevier knows how to construct a story. Is you can tell. I looked her up, and she's been script editing on the last season, and it, you you can kind of tell that she's someone who knows 
how to structure a, a story. Does she have a lot of full writing credits or just script editing credits? She yeah, must no, have been a writer to she get has, the script editing. Yeah, yeah, but not on Doctor Who. So it's her, no, it's no, her no. first, it's her first script for Doctor Who, and uh, it's the third episode of Doctor Who in fifty six and a bit years to have been both written and directed by a woman. Oh, I thought it was the first to be both written and directed. Okay, okay. I, th- I thought it was. I'm pretty sure there was one last year and wasn't. Uh, oh, it slipped from my mind. But Eternals, Eternals, in Peter Davison. No, uh, I knew that was directed by a woman. I didn't. Ships. I didn't realize it was written by one as well. I think it was. Okay, but I've forgotten what it's yeah, called. Yeah, you're talking about um, Enlightenment. Enlightenment. Thank you. Oh, oh, yeah. It just it slipped out. It's that word was there in my brain and it slipped out just as just, I was. It was too for dim. It. Wasn't you weren't shining <laughs> enough light on that corner of your brain to get that name. <laughs> To name out of there. Um, <laughs> I, I will say that you'll recall last week that I wasn't, at least from my impression of the story, I wasn't as down on it as perhaps you were because I yeah. didn't care about the directing. Or I, I, you're right. You're absolutely right. But I was, yeah, it was kind of, this one left me that way too. And, and that is a bigger disappointment to me because I had no expectations for the last one. And I really, really, really was looking forward to the Nicholas Tesla story. So it was just me. It was so, so, you know, plot holes aside. Um, it, like I say, it had some good stuff in it. Uh, it had some stuff that was fluff and it was a little bit slow in the middle. And Ooh. it, it just, wow. I, 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 you know, I was, I was fine See, with it. I, I, I noted got how done with it. I'm like, yeah. the pacing was because 50 minutes, 50 minute episodes have always, you know, the, it still felt like in um, the the last Capaldi season, it still felt like they were they were getting used to. It was like, oh, you know, that episode actually they made they made it work in 50 minutes. It felt like it had taken the best part of 10 years since the show came back for them to to get the the pacing. And so when someone hits it right, and I felt this one hit it right, it still seems notable. Hmm. I'm also surprised that you were a bit mad about the... I mean, for me, the direction in this episode was just on another level. I thought it was remarkable how... I mean, Whitaker is outstanding in this. She just gives a completely different performance, I think. And particularly the the exchange between her and Tesla about being an inventor when he says, you know how it feels, and they talk about being out of place. And I was I just felt like the hairs on the back of my neck were on end. And I don't think it was the alternating current. <laughs> the death current. The death the current. Death current. <laughs> Nik- Nikola Tesla's death current. Yes, which sadly is DC, the death current, which oh, yeah. confuses stuff up. I mean, it's just... It's all apocalypse current. <laughs> yes, yes. There we go. Um, yeah, it just, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it kind of just left me. As I say, there were good moments in it. The directing was, how do I put this? Transparent, which yes. is the best thing I can which say for a director. Yeah, it was transparent, so I didn't notice it. When I notice it, it's either bad or. Wow, it really, really has to be unique for me to notice it 
and not think it's bad. Does that make sense? Right. I mean, yeah, it, I, it's, I, it's I, really, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, it just it suddenly felt lots to me of like... Dutch angles, and you go, okay, that's a little bit much, or something, unless it works, and otherwise it's just ham fisted. But yeah, no, it, it yeah, I know, I know, I I get what you're saying, but it felt it felt to me like like you know the 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 performance the performances were were just front and center. It was what we is what what we're seeing. What we're seeing as viewers is what what the characters are feeling what the characters are thinking we're we're not having to 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 guess at motivations or nuances in the story or anything like that it's all it's all being put which is not to say complex things are not occurring but it's just to say they're not they're not being muddied by poor or 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 confusing directions or anything like this i i also think when you when you talk about uh transparency i think of your um general akinola uh complaint shall we say which is <laughs> that you don't notice the music so tell me you noticed the music in this episode i did not oh my word it could not have been noisier Interesting. that's incredible nope. because i watched it twice didn't catch a note i i thought this was very much he was he was I don't know, he's channeling a bit of Murray Gold there because much as much as I love Murray Gold, my view is slightly different from yours, which is that you kind of you want to support the mood and the emotion of what you're seeing on the screen. You don't necessarily want to drown it out. And and it's and this is not a complete criticism. I, I enjoyed the music in this, but my goodness me, it was bombastic. I I, I... This is obviously a, a, a debate that has raged forever, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll pull one up at a at a different genre. I'll go back to uh, to Star Trek. Um, the music from the '60s in Star Trek is very much front and center. There is big score, big add to the, it, and it's intentional. I, I'm not. It was the style to add to Lolly Johnson in the Avengers. Right, it adds to the it adds to the mood. It's not just supporting the mood; it's helping you be. It, it, it's bringing it forward. Perhaps you know. Perhaps not necessarily. What you see on the screen gets it to you as fast as the music. I, I don't know. But when they moved on to Star Trek: The Next Generation, I find the music to be utterly boring and forgettable for the most part. And I later found out that the man who was, or one of the people, or many of the people, for all I know who was behind this, hated intrusive music. It's like there to be not noticed. And so he made the composers, they'd bring in the music and he'd go, nope, tune her down. Too much, too much, too much. And so it basically got to a little, you know, and and that's why it's no good. And <laughs> but, I, but, I, but, I, but I don't think that's quite what I'm arguing. I think, I think that the thing is it should be, it should be it should go with the grain of the episode so it's not necessarily the case that you don't you, you should never notice the music it's just the case that you shouldn't be involved in the music alone you should be involved in the the whole story i have to admit and, i do like sitting to listening to a soundtrack and having it oh i agree. be able I agree. to bring it back to me but if i listen to a doctor who soundtrack from from the current era i can listen to any track and i cannot tell you where it's from oh, wow. i mean I'm gonna look, okay. yeah it's doctor who but uh i don't think that's the 
And that's not the one where they were in Pakistan. Uh, or, you know, I, I don't, I suspect that if you listen to this year's, you will know the Spyfall music. Yes. Because it's got that, it's got that Bond rift and it does stand out. But, but no, no, I didn't get anything out of it. Uh, mm. I had something else to say there about the music, but I can't remember what it was. So maybe it'll come back. It'll, it'll come back. It'll me. come back when you're not looking. Oh, yeah, it'll definitely come back. <laughs> no. So, uh, so in that case, let, let's mention the, uh, the costumes because we talked about the costumes last week. Yes. Not entirely complimentarily, apart from the cardigan. <laughs> what did you think this time? Um, transparent. Oh, no, are we talking about the cast costumes or are we talking about the, the Skithra Queen's costume? Well, everyone's costume, I guess. Them. I would say that apart from the Skithra Queen, everything was fine. I thought you were going to Look. say they were transparent, and I didn't notice <laughs> that. But, yeah, I really liked the costumes, and I liked the fact, although it doesn't make any sense to me, um, that the Doctor is prancing around showing off her ankles to everyone, while uh-huh. all, of, all of the fam is dressed like they're extras from The Sting. And I, I couldn't quite <laughs> see the logic of it. But nevertheless, okay, well, I, <laughs> I, I like Graham doing his Stan Laurel stuff. And I thought Ryan was just looking incredibly sharp. So it, w- it was enjoyable. Yeah. I... OK, so so do we go back to the the plot point that raises that question? They arrive in New York, presumably. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're in New York and they and i'll explain that in a minute they arrive in new york they detect a power source maybe they detect a power source and they arrive in new york doesn't matter that that part doesn't actually matter they decide that everybody needs to wear period costumes so they go to the tardis wardrobe and or the bbc wardrobe department and they get out period (laughs) accurate stuff that looks great and they all wear it except the doctor who never gets in period costume well, but the Doctor does almost sometimes never. get in period yeah, costume. Because never. think, yeah. what about the talents of Wang Chiang? What about, uh, yeah, there you go. What, one of the few examples, but th- what about... Uh, but the difference uh, is... Mark of the Rani. Yes, yes. Perry, you got to wear yes. this clothes. You know, it's, it, it's, it's inconsistent, but yeah. But the, di- the but, the di- but the difference is that, that I, I mean, I think we have discussed this in the past, but it is to do with the Doctor's costume and when that costume is more like a style of dressing, almost like a kind of personal dress code, if you like, and when it is an actual uniform. So mm-hmm. even though the doctor this time has got dressed out of a charity shop, it is now pretty much that's the ensemble that she wears. And right. anything else has to be a, a, a sort of an approved corporate variation on doctor you know, doctor well, costume you know, trademark this incarnation. Trademark marketing for putting out the little, uh, um, not the bobbleheads now, but uh, can't think of the big headed. Well, ones no, but I, I think this is this is the thing with the sixth doctor. Whatever you think about it, and yeah, well, anyway, yeah. Uh, the, anyway, the, so the, they get, the sixth they, doctor's they, costume was a, a uniform. For whatever reason, they put on clothes to blend in. Uh, they then somehow get from New York City to Niagara Falls, tracking this down without using the TARDIS, far as I can tell. Yeah, which we uh, approve of. And then uh, 
the doctor gets out, investigates the the plant, finds the danger, and runs off and happens to manage to catch the exact same train at the exact same moment that they need to catch a train. And I'm not big on how trains work, but I'm thinking it was not just sitting around at the Niagara facility waiting for them to come back or for the crew to just be hanging around in the back of the car. So all of that was like, what? What? Why? I don't understand. Uh, it, well, hang on. I can explain uh, this. Okay. Okay. You're the train expert. Go ahead. They caught a train. What? What's the mystery? How, how did they catch a train? How is it that Ryan, Yaz, and Graham weren't already on the train? Well, because, because they weren't they involved in the, the same thing. Train. And that's when the introductions occurred. How would they know that it was time to run away with the doctor? It, it just, it's like, I, I know exactly the way. And she runs off in the next shot. They're on a train. She's going, oh, by the way, this, these are so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. Uh, hello, welcome to the train. Like, what was the train just sitting there waiting for the doctor to come back out? No, we know the train's not going to be doing that. So she well, had the train, to run the train. out. If they hadn't caught the train, if if it had been, I don't know, three more minutes before the alien had attacked them, would the doctor have missed the train? <laughs> and we, then they'd no, be because dead because elapsed. the TARDIS it, is in New York. It wasn't three minutes after, after the train isn't, the train isn't right there at Niagara Falls, right? There actually was a train track that went by there. Yes. That's one of the reasons they, they built in the, the factory shop. there. Not in the shop. No, but near. No, but near, very near. What, what, all right, I, 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 I don't know the specifics. If you if you know where the where the because I tell you how trains work. If you've got a passenger train, it stops at stations to take on and yeah. and no station uh, there. Okay, but probably. So yeah. is there a station there? It's probably isn't, a freight train. Is indeed, is indeed it a passenger line? Is it indeed a main line or just a branch to Niagara Falls? I don't know. I'm not sure any of this matters because I don't think that they are catching the train literally I, seconds I, after we see them inside the I generator. I don't think it matters. Ex- well, oh, wait a minute. They have a they have a deadly alien chasing them with a gun. They didn't wait around for the timetable on the train to come by and at the station. No, surely the, not. The alien, so it must have been the alien, alien was chasing them. He, I can just see them all running the up to the station and stopping. <laughs> Waiting, you know, train's coming in. Okay, good. Everybody on. Oh, there's the alien again. You're right. It doesn't matter, except that I'm not sure. I think they just wanted to do it so they could have a scene where she pulled the pin out of the train and left the car to go behind. Um, Again, it just, it, it, the structure just was not good. But I do remember the thing about the music. (laughs) Just came back to me. There was a piece of music that they should absolutely have paid, played. In this episode, they should have used some classical Keystone Cops music when the Scorpions were all running around and skittering and blapping into each other because apparently they're incompetent at walking um, when they're on the ground, but they're fine on buildings. I really dislike the CGI work there. I, I, I liked both the way the aliens moved in CGI and the choreography of the skithra when disguised as humans i thought i thought it was extremely well done and i thought when the what, skithra were on the ship and when the skithra were climbing walls and looking menacing they were great and when the skithra were chasing people and they kept skittering and 
piling up on top of each other like a comedy troupe from a night it wasn't silent like movie. a comedy troupe they were they were they was they was scrabbling at each other i'm sh- i'm sure that's what it was i'm sure they i'm sure they were comp- they were trying to get they were trying to climb over each other get each other out of the way they were racing each other and and competing to get ahead of one another they were completely they just looked like keystone cops to me at that point they look competent it, I, I thought i thought it completely worked and and the the lack of discipline was evident on the ship and it was and it was just a tray of what the skithra are like well maybe if i watch it again someday i'll i'll keep an eye out for that but it just didn't it just didn't work that way for me but i think keystone cop music still would have fit beautifully there a little piano tinkling in okay uh question we've asked before in a different form I'll ask it again, and it'll probably lead into a different discussion about about what the heck the doctor was trying to accomplish. But what is the difference between pointing a lightning bolt generator at a spaceship and using a gun? Yeah, that's a fair question. And did it not seem to you through all of the doctor's speeches that basically what we're doing is we're going to destroy that ship and kill the queen? I think I think it was what what we are going to do is we are going to... Yeah, I'm. Yes, I'm not. I can, I can kind of see the distinction that they're trying to make. I just think they're unsuccessful at it. Which is, uh, they're not. They're not trying to kill the Skithra as an end in itself. They're trying to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish, but it will involve Skithra dying because what they're trying to accomplish is keeping the Earth safe. And the only way to do that, given the Skithra will not stop, is basically to try and blow up their ship. Is the difference between when Ryan wanted to shoot the Silurian gun and the doctor goes, no, no, no. Is that because she hadn't reached the point where you were too stupid to take my offer and leave? Could be. So now that you haven't taken the offer, we're going to take you out. But it would have been nice to make that explicit. I also would have liked a little bit when the doctor gives her second stern speech and she says, you were too stupid to evolve. I gave you the chance you were too stupid to evolve. And now no one's going to mourn you or remember you when you're all dead. That sounds like when I killed you. Yeah. But it, you could interpret that as being like, you know, history will forget you, which is kind of funny because yeah. uh, if there's a parallel between that and Edison, it doesn't uh, work. Edison's the one that got remembered. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It just I was surprised as all heck when they shot that beam up there and the ship just disappeared like wait it could leave it's been hanging around the earth for how long waiting for somebody they didn't smart want enough? to leave they could have chosen to leave at any point the point well yes now it's obvious they could have and, i thought that the ship was broken leave. down that it was oh, falling no, apart so. that, oh it is that, falling apart it is they want an engineer somebody but to they make don't it necessarily go. need an engineer in order to leave earth because They've come to Earth of their own choice and they're not leaving Earth because they want Nikola Tesla before they leave Earth. There doesn't... There, there's no, like there's s- no apparent... There's no other apparent reason for them being on Earth other than they have come for Nikola Tesla. Hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't I wish they, they happened to be I wish on they Earth hadn't they used the Silurian there. gun then because... It's unclear how long they've been waiting on Earth, but you could be forgiven for thinking it's been a very long time. And then you go, well, what the heck are they doing up there? 
What, okay, what are they, I'm, what are I'm, they eating? Okay. What are they... Right. I have some flaws that you haven't spotted. <laughs> really? Are not very Darn, major I... flaws, but it feels like a, an appropriate moment to okay. beef about them. So here we go. One thing on the Silurian gun. It wasn't the fact that they had a Silurian gun that bothered me. It was the fact that the doctor called it an alien gun. Yeah. It's not an alien gun. It's a Silurian gun. It's being used on the planet it was made on. Yeah. On the on the home planet of the people who made it. So the doctor should know that for a start. I I think that it would make more sense if the Skithra had had an alien gun because they are a space travelling race. Which brings me and to my did. other question, which may answer your question, which is the doctor asks why an inventor from 1900. She doesn't ask why an inventor from New York or why an inventor from Sol 3. Right, like they're time travel. The implication is they have time travel. But why would they have time travel? And they don't seem to be a super competent race. They don't, there's no reference to their having scavenged uh, time tech from any other time sensitives or anything like that. So... Um, obviously yeah. that could that could be an alternative expla- explanation of how they have obtained the Silurian weapon if they have been time traveling around but i i kind of i fair. kind of dislike this generally this this idea that in doctor who everyone travels through time but what i quite liked was when as we've said you arrive in the tardis at a particular place and then everything within that place belongs within that time and place time and place you know Mm-hmm. Rather, rather than saying, well, you know, and anything from anywhere and any time could just turn up. Yeah, I, I, I think you're. I think you've nailed a point there. That that one when she said, "Why have you come to nineteen nineteen oh one or whatever it was, uh, Earth?" It does, it does make it feel like you know this is. I don't know that they've been searching for this place and and. Nicholas Tesla was good, but he's not that good. Right? There's got to be something. If you've got, if no, you've if got you space were, travel if, technology and if you've got time travel technology, you can definitely find somebody better than Nicholas Tesla to fix your spaceship. No, but if, if, just, if you're if you're in if you're in 1900 Earth time in you know the Milky Way or whatever, maybe Nikola Tesla is the best nearest thing there is. And, well, there's Venusians say, because they have Venusian spaceships, and that's not yeah, that far yeah. away. Good point. <clears throat> <laughs> and then what about ice warrior tech yeah but, and there was you know, another they, gun. They, none of the venusians might not be as smart as nikola tesla we don't know a lot about them except they can make spaceships yeah but you know they still might be <laughs> rubbish spaceships yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> but give, give give nikola tesla a bit more funding and he'd have been making a spaceship he come on <laughs> they did have other aliens ships, uh guns they had at least they had a silver looking gun that looked familiar to me, but I couldn't place it. And I was like, uh, see, they just they just raided the prop department and saved a little money, which is fine. But uh, yeah, they, they did have a mishmash of, of pistols, but they made it a they made it a point of using the Silurian one when they could have had that one. Yeah. I, 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 it's like, um, uh, 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 um, the other I'm not trying to pick. I'm really not. I just I will say this. Whenever they do the whole oh they're 
projecting an illusion of looking like a person, but mm -hmm. they're really a six foot giant scorpion with a big tail that that is horizontal to the ground rather than vertical like a human. Um, how exactly does that work when they're walking through human doorways and when they're trapped in a little tiny man-sized circle of fire and etc.? Um, they're still that big, right? They're not. It's not like the farting Slovene. Yeah, no, yes, I think they are because it's a hologram. On the other hand, I didn't see a man-sized circle of fire, so it wasn't that much bigger than the guy when they trapped him. It was just him. a straight line, wasn't it? I thought they no. I thought they'd made him step into a circle. Mm. Yeah, he's he's in a he's in a small circle of fire that they put around him so he couldn't retreat. Okay. But anyway, um, and. And why hide their appearance? Mm, yeah, that's that's maybe. I don't know. I I guess I guess it it serves a purpose when they're looking to find Tesla. And they can zap people with their hands. So do they need the guns? <laughs> it's like no, it's like probably. I just I just look at that and I'm like, oh, it's like, I although, just feel although, like there's a remit. I mean, to, you, to you do say these... that, but actually at the at the at the time that didn't bother me. And I'm thinking, what were the cues that made me feel that wasn't a problem? I kind of think that when he's in Edison's lab and he electrocutes everyone, it's not a it's not a control that the Queen can zap people, but he just seems to be almost he's almost surprised by what he's seeing going on between his hands, and then it just sort of leaps out from it and kills everyone because, there's, as you say, there isn't an obvious reason for him to to do that. You know, as in. The, the, what does he gain from it? Um, whereas if it was, if if it was, uh, I don't know, some some combination of natural abilities combined with the the environment or whatever that he's just experimenting with, it may have surprised him as much as anyone else. I, I guess. Um, I it just it's like I just am looking at it and like, why are these things happening in this story? And and the answer that keeps coming back to me is that. It's for spectacle isn't quite the right word, but it's it's not there to make sense. It's there to to amp up the danger or to to give us a moment where Edison actually gets to appear to be human. You're like, no, I, yes. I had dinner with that guy's oh, yeah. wife, yeah, which I like the, the because day, ultimately, and I ultimately call families. And the bottom line is, this is a character piece. It's not. It's not a kind of story space opera or anything. It's it's. <laughs> It's character based. I... <laughs> anyway, uh, another one, and and I think we we can. I'll mention it here because in case any of our listeners are thinking, "Gosh, you're you're being not harsh." Um, no, nobody's thinking that. Um, he murders the invention factory. This is uh, this is an organization that Edison used to create many of the things that created the world that we live in now and uh his brain trust is wiped out um tesla and edison are exposed to two of one at least of the founders of the modern world and one of the god i hate to say also rands but also rands of history are exposed to aliens tardis technology uh, any number of ideas, and it's eh, never mind. We're leaving. Bye bye. Woo! 
without any respect for what kind of damage they just did or potentially did to to uh the the world and and uh, although they don't whereas in other episodes they have addressed these things rightly or wrongly and i i i we're going to talk about that in a sidecar so we're putting out these special sidecars for our for our patrons but i want to throw it out there that it, it passed me a notice and and the fact that they have made an effort to integrate this so part of this story specifically is the the uh the tower so th- there are historical events that happen in this episode that may seem you might not even think they were historical events tesla did in fact receive a letter from jp morgan famous jp morgan one of the architects of the great depression robert baron um and, <clears throat> and you know along with carnegie and some of the others definitely definitely one of one of history's infamous, uh, he had been a major investor in Tesla's work. He had invested, I think, $100,000 to get the uh, uh, Wardenclyffe facility built. Tesla sold him that on the idea that he would be working on wireless, basically radio. In, in Morgan saw the benefit, Morgan saw the, the money to be made in radio. Marconi was doing his stuff and they were like this, this is a frontier field. And uh, Tesla, which, as the doctor says, was rubbish at business, had spent the money, built a facility, and then came up with a better idea. Wireless power. So he he scrapped basically his plans that he had contracted to do and decided he was going to work on wireless power instead. And people weren't willing to invest in that. And when he went to Morgan... Uh, and explained it to him. Basically, Morgan wrote him a very short note that said, yeah, no, which is what we saw in this episode, him receiving that note. And eyewitnesses say that that night or the next night, and perhaps for a couple more nights, the Tesla tower lit up with electrical stuff and then never again. And nobody knows why. And so... Until now. That's... Until yeah, until now. Now they folded Doctor Who into that uh, context. So they they definitely took some time to try to get some of this right, and I appreciate that. Or and that's a that's a good one, I have to say. I mean that that's because apparently nobody does know what that was about, except we know when it happened, and they worked that in. So I. I like the fact that they're putting it in a historical context. I'm not so sure I like what they've done with it as it goes. <laughs> on. Anyhow, um, but I but I, I like the fact that as well they 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 do expose Tesla to lots of ideas and and uh, Yaz, for example, mentions radar and he says, "Oh yeah, I was I was working on something like that." So all the all right. the idea, ideas are they he he connects with. Them. Yes, and, and you do have to ask how how accurate they are in their historicity uh with regards to in 190 i think this is 1901 or 1902 um it was 1903 okay 1903 it's it's right in that range you know we can put the day down to when morgan's letter came in and we know exactly we know exactly what day that came in so uh 
we could pin this to the exact year, but it's one, two, three. Uh, we'll take three. It doesn't really matter. Um, what, what does matter is had Tesla already done his uh, his radar analog idea yes, they, prior yes, there to be, meeting as there may be some license involved in that. Yeah. So I don't know. It's quite neat. And of course, the fact that she's using a mobile phone in front of him and makes no. Yeah. And, and really makes no interest <laughs> to him at all at one point. Um, it, yeah. I, I don't, anyway. Do you have anything specifically about uh, the episode other than that? I, the, I mean, there's still, in terms of the the character writing in this, I, th- I think another thing that was extremely well done in this was the way in which there was something for each companion in this. So, because, I mean, we've touched on the fact that it's a, it's a big team, it's difficult to give everyone something and and yet there's there's the what what graham brings to it is that confrontation with edison i think where he tells him he's had a supervisor like him at his old depot who and 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 he understands you know where where edison's coming from and that that helps us understand something about edison as well as something about graham there's i mean there's all the stuff between yaz and and edison mm-hmm. and it, i mean it, although she does she's still not doing much sort of policing she i i i like her the you know mm-hmm. the 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 courage she shows when she dives towards tesla as the skithra take him is is pretty impressive and also the line on the skithra spaceship where she says just because you're a genius doesn't mean you have to figure everything out on your own and best of all i think was the, which is basically the role of a companion yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> She's found someone else to be a companion to. But again, you know the the dynamics, the, the all of the parallels going on this, the the dynamics that we saw between uh, Dorothy Skerritt and Nikola Tesla, and the and and the sort of the the way in which the explicit companion relationship was made plain there. Although obviously there is something beyond that going on but nevertheless the the exchange that she has with ryan is really interesting from both their points of view because she was talking about having a a normal life and and you know normal normal and steady are the words they're using and ryan's saying boom then came the doctor changed my whole life and dorothy is totally totally identifying with that and and saying how you know after she met mr tesla and all the things he's showed her you know normal and steady doesn't seem so important so so i i really appreciated the fact that there was something in this for for each of the companions as well as as well as the um as well as some of the great stuff that uh jodie whittaker was given to do oh and jodie whittaker i uh, the the doctor is not definitely not in a mardi mood anymore so <laughs> No, all forgotten. If the sto- all forgotten. If Although the story made there for brings a moment. that back, yeah, I'm. I'm I don't want the Mardi Mood back. Yeah, yeah. By the way, Dorothy Scarrett, real person. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find anything that said she was anything other than just his secretary, one of his secretaries. Did his patent filings and went to the public library across the street and copied stuff down for him. But was were her primary job functions, as far as I can tell. It was. 
no indication that I could see of anything else, but I didn't do an extensive research on on her in particular. And I will say, oh, yeah. oh. I mean, I, I, I think I, it would be safe to say that the average person, at least in the United States, the average person probably has exactly the same recognition of Nikola Tesla as Graham, Ryan, and Yaz. Yes. Okay. So I, I think it's safe for me to say that I know more than the average person about Nikola Tesla, but I am by no, and have been fascinated by him for years, but I am in no way, there are people who are like really Nikola Tesla groupies. I think Elon Musk is one of them, but, <laughs> um, and a lot of it has to do with, oh, he had these amazing ideas. He's like, he had these amazing ideas, but so did Jules Verne, right? And he didn't get them made either. Uh, some of them, yes, but so he was, he was definitely a fascinating figure in history. Uh, and he was, he's definitely very interesting and he could have been so much more and, and just, and he ultimately wasn't and nice downer ending on, on the episode hmm. on that. Cause it's true, but the, the, I, I almost forgot to mention that Skithra Queen was someone who had a regular role elsewhere in the Hooniverse. I don't know if you picked this up, but she was played by Anjali Mahindra, who played Rani in the Sarah Jane Adventures. Uh, well, um, I saw that, and I couldn't tell you who Rani in the Sarah Jane Adventures was, so... Fair enough. I didn't know if that was a villain or or one of the kids, no. or... She, she, was, she, was, she was one of the kids. She was one of, she the was kids. One of the kids. She was very good okay. in that, and I... I kind of kind of felt it would have been nice, or would still be nice if at some point Rani Chandra turns turns up in Doctor Who. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I certainly don't think she's blown her chance to that. If we if we can have Colin Baker coming back and Peter Capaldi coming back, well, Anjali Mahindra was not particularly recognisable in this one. So no, and I will say I thought that was kind of rubbish. The the Skithra Queen. Oh, I quite liked. I, I liked the teeth. But aren't, yes, aren't you did those make literally me... the teeth they stole from the Rachnos? Were they? I don't know. I when I saw them, I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen those. That sort I of could, Y shape. I, I could weird check, but I'd have teeth. to watch the Runaway Bride again. It's just she's so anatomically different from everyone else on the ship. That, that is slightly strange. Yes, that was. Mm, I don't know. It. it like, okay, she's she is the, the queen, queen, so she lays all the eggs. So I guess that's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I thought it was un uninspired. I like the scorpions. I thought they were good looking. I thought it was interesting that they had hands on their fronts and, you know, they, they were, I didn't count their legs to see if it was the right number for scorpions but but were they scorpions were they scorpions exactly they were just scorpion like so yes scorpion didn't matter yeah so whatever that arachnoid that be arachnoid scorpions are arachnids are they not technically well, then, they, then they i i don't know i don't know but if so then they'd be then they'd be a scorpionoid and arachnoid yeah. or mm. arachnoid um, not going to say what's coming up next week because, you know, that would be spoilers. 
<laughs> well, if you don't have anything else, Simon. I know that's it. Uh, then in that case, oh, I accept, oh. accept, of course, accept, accept. Yeah, you wanted you wanted Nikola Tesla's death ray. Yes, I, I'm not aware. We've that got Nikola Tesla's death, death ray. ray. I loved it. You know, it's interesting. I I believe that Nikola Tesla never built a prototype death ray, as far as I know. Or maybe he did. I don't know. Um, but his goal. You know what his goal for it was to end all wars. <laughs> That was his. Hmm. He was going to create a weapon so effective that it would end war. So that sounds uh, familiar. Sounds like the nuclear bomb to me. Yeah. So, so he, was, he did envision. It wasn't the just that he wasn't Edison. He wasn't Oppenheimer either. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but we did get the death ray. You can't have a mention of. You cannot have a mention of Tesla without a death ray, and you cannot obviously have a demonstration of a Tesla coil, which they sort of did there at the, the opening with this electrical yeah. bolts firing back forth so anyway thank you for joining me that's a pleasure as always and listeners i do hope you'll join us all again next time on fusion patrol you've been listening to fusion patrol a listener supported podcast find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at FusionPatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. <laughs>